All right, this is what's being handed out to you. Praise the Lord. And it's entitled, How to Access the Blessings of God. And I want to pass along to something to you here tonight that God has impressed me with here of late. How that the Lord has made it possible that anyone can be saved. And that anyone who wants to find God, they can find him. He's made that possible. Praise the Lord. I'm going to start out by talking to you about Israel, what God told Israel that he had given them. Praise the Lord. And that God had made it possible that no matter what they did and how bad things got and even how far away from God that they may have gone or, or go, would, then speaking of it from that point, it's future tense, that he, praise the Lord, made it possible they could always find him. Praise the Lord. And this is a blessing to the human race as it is today. And I'm going to show you that in the scriptures here. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn here first of all to number one and have your Bibles turn to Deuteronomy 28. And this is the power of our words, the power of our words. Our words, I mean, human, the human word. God has granted us power in our own speech. I know we put a lot of emphasis on the power of God and power of God's word, and I know, I'm aware of that. That's the greatest of all powers. But I'm speaking here of, the, of what God granted us human beings on this earth, starting out with Israel, that he gave us something that we can have in which we can receive the goodness, the blessings, and the favor, and the presence, and the power of God. Praise the Lord. And so I'm going to start here with A, uh, Israel, Israel's access to God was through their words. And if you look with me in Deuteronomy, I'd want to block off that scripture there. You've got a, papers there, of course, but for the ones that might be looking at this on screen. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, if you'll turn to this verse of scripture with me, I want to show you something very quickly here. The Lord gave to the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, the law, the word, told them what to do. Finally, it was getting close to the wrap-up time, and Moses was going to be leaving them. And this is what God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel. Here's what he says in chapter 28. I'm going to read just these two verses here, first two verses. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments, which I commanded thee this day, command thee this day, and the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. This is his promise to Israel. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, I'm not going to read any further, but he begins to name blessings like in verse three. Blessed shall that be in the city. Blessed shall that be in the field. Verse four. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy ground, the fruit of thy cattle. And it goes on and on and talks about all the blessings that God would pour out upon Israel. It goes on to say that that they would be honored and respected above all people. Uh, all people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord. He just goes on and talks about how that God would bless them in, in just un, unimaginable. He will bless them if they would do all the things that God has said that for them to do and keep his commandments. Now, that goes through verse 14. When you come to verse 15, the whole thing changes. The, the coin is turned over. And he says in verse 15, but, but, now this is going to turn the coin over. It shall come to pass that thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these Curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Instead of it being blessings, there will be curses that will be put upon you. And then he begins to name them. There's 16. Cursed shall that be in the city. Cursed shall that be in the field. On and on and on and on. And he talks about all these things 
that would happen to them and God would put them out of his favor and so forth. Uh, I'm going to move on over here to verse 49. I'm moving very quickly here. Look at verse 49 here very quickly with me. And the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far from the end of the earth as swift as the eagles flyeth a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. A nation of fierce countenance is that next verse and so forth. He's describing all of this. I'm going to, to verse 64 right quickly here. <clears throat> verse 64. The Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. Now, as you well know, Israel did sin. All of these curses came upon them. Uh, 70 AD, the Roman Empire devastated Israel and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, scattered Israel all over the world. And that's why there's Jews all over the world to this day. It all started back, first of all, 500 years before Christ. And then it really intensified in 70 AD after Christ when they rejected him. So the Bible here tells us here that he would scatter them throughout all the world and that they would be, that would be it. Now, I'm jumping very quickly over here to 30 because this is what the Lord said to them. Now, this is where I'm going and pay close attention to what we're going to read here to you. Verse 1, chapter 30 and verse 1 of Deuteronomy. And it shall come to pass that when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, if you will, you know, return unto me and do this, that then... The Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all. That word all is all the nations. Now, I've got a ring around that verse, that word, I mean. From all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. Now, this has not fully happened yet because there are still Jews scattered all over the world, even though there is the country of Israel itself. Now, I'm going to jump ahead very quickly here to verse 11. This is what the Lord was trying to tell, tell Israel. When you're scattered all over the world, everything is upside down. Everything has gone bad. And everything is just not right. And it looks like that you do, you, you're just, there's no hope. Here's what he says in verse 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far from thee. That is, if you repent and turn to God. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. It's not that way. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that ye may hear it and do it. Now look at verse 14. Here's the key verse. But the word is very nigh unto thee, or near unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. And what the Lord was telling Israel is when everything has gone wrong and everything has gone bad, and everything is not where you know that it should be. And you come to the place where you say, it's time to get everything right with God. It's all you have to do is open your mouth. All you've got to do, praise the Lord, is begin to speak the words. All you've got to do is say it. And God will begin to respond. Now, folks, that was a privilege he gave to Israel. I don't care where you go. I don't care what happens to you. I don't care how bad things get. I don't care how many curses have come upon you. If you get to that place and you say it's time to return to the Lord and it's trying to get right with God. And all you have to do is begin to say it. it, it there's no place you have to go. You, know, you don't have to go to Mecca. You don't have to go to Mecca like the, the Hindus, the, the, uh, the Muslims do. They, they got, that's the holy city in, in Saudi Arabia and Mecca. 
And they have to make a, an annual tour there or annual tour, I think, once a year or sometime in their life. I don't know what the details are. Different groups of them is a little bit different requirement. But that's what they have to do. They have to go someplace. It's not the Ganges River like they have in India where the people in the Hindus in, in India feel like this is very sacred and they have to go to that river in order that they can get cleansing and get forgiveness and get straightened out in their life. There's a place to them in their head where they have to go someplace. Uh, some people even feel that way about Rome. If I could just go to Rome. That's why Martin Luther went there years and years ago was that he was trying to find himself and get some spiritual things straightened out. He found out that Rome was more in trouble than where he lived. So he went back home and began to search out the Bible. So I'm just trying to tell you, it's not a place, but it's wherever we are. If we will open our mouths and begin to call on the Lord and talk to the God and reach out to him, the Lord is near unto every one of us. And he pointed us out to him, but the word is very nigh unto thee or near unto thee in thy mouth. That's as close as it is. You don't have to go over there. You don't have to go over there. You don't have to go up there. You don't have to go there. You don't have to go, go, go anywhere. You just have to call out to him. Praise God. I had a friend one time that was telling me years ago about him traveling out west. He's going through dry desert lands. It was just desert after desert uh, going someplace. And he was dealing with some problems and situations. And he'd gotten away from the Lord and he wasn't where he was wanted, needed to be. And he said, Brother Myers, I just stopped my car in the middle of the desert on a highway, of course. Pulled off the road. I hadn't seen a car in probably 15, 20 minutes come either way passing. I pulled off the road and I got out and stood there and I just lifted my hands and began to call on the Lord. And I began to pray and seek the face of the Lord out in the middle of nowhere. And I began to feel the presence of God come on me. I began to feel the Holy Ghost. I began to feel things were going to be all right. Everything's going to be. And I got down on my knees and I prayed and I talked to God out of the middle of a desert. You see, it wasn't the place. It was within him. It was his own words. But he had to come to that place where he says, I, I want to reach out to God and I need to touch the throne of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm going to show you this happened to Daniel. They had been captured by the Babylonians and taken over to Babylon. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they called them the three Hebrew children. They weren't, they were teenagers actually, and they became men and, and so forth. Look at what Daniel had to say about his experience. Uh, whenever he realized that Israel had sinned against God and this is why God had judged them and caused the Babylonians to come in and capture their city and scatter them up and take them off to Babylon. And verse chapter 9, and he says that whenever he began to realize this, he knew what he had to do because he knew what the Bible said to do. And so in verse 3, Daniel 9, 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek my prayer and supplications and fasting and sackcloths and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O oh God, the great and dreadful God, keeping covenants and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And then he starts out verse 5 saying, we have sinned. And then he went through there, repenting before God for his own sins and repenting before God for all of Israel. The amazing thing about Daniel was that while he was still praying, I'm jumping way over here in Daniel 9. Uh, verse 20, and whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins and the sins of my people Israel and presenting my applications, supplications, excuse me, <clears throat> supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my people. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, that's the angel Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening revelation. And then the Gabriel came and began to talk to Daniel and give him instructions about the future of Israel and so forth. Now, 
What I am pointing out to you here is that the reason that Gabriel came and dealt with Daniel was because Daniel came to the place where he says, you know what? That Bible over in Deuteronomy tells us that if we will seek the face of God and it's right here, I don't care where you are, Babylon or anywhere else. If I will seek God, he can be found. And he poured his, house, his heart out to God, and God sent an angel to talk to Daniel. I won't go any further with that. <clears throat> That's a great study in itself. But the point I am bringing out to you here is that Daniel prayed, and God heard him, and God did what he said he would do. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, I want to show you something else. Uh, in Second Chronicles, this is just off the beaten path a little bit here. In 2 Chronicles 33, 1, you don't have that, you don't have this scripture in your, in your notes here, so I'm just shooting from the up here. 33, 1 of 2 Chronicles, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, likened unto the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And then he goes on to say, tell all the things that this Manasseh did. I mean, he was a rascal. He was a rascal. And uh, goes on to say in verse 11, Therefore the Lord brought upon him the, cap the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the Lord God of his fathers. Now, I have a book here. It's not recorded in the Bible. It's called the Apocrypha. The Apocrypha book here. And in this book, it tells about this Manasseh and him being taken captive. And taken to Babylon shackles put on his feet and his arm thrown in prison he was a prisoner and expected to die it's all over with for him he'd been a, he'd been a wicked a wicked king i mean he he, he built a he built a, an altar to these false gods even in the temple courtyard he built them not inside the temple itself but in the courtyard area he built things that they could worship other gods if they wanted to i mean he, you could name all kinds of stuff that he did you say, wow, this guy was a mean rascal. So bad that the Lord had King of Babylon or Assyria come and take him. And they put him in chains and took him over to Babylon, put him in prison. And he was in chains and everything. But here in this little book here, and it, and it mentions it here in the Bible as well, that Manasseh prayed. He came to the place where it's, he says it's time to get a hold of God. And I'm not going to read this prayer to you because a lot of, but I was impressed with this statement that he made. Listen to this. He says, Thou, O Lord, according to thy great goodness, hast promised repentance and forgiveness to them that have sinned against thee. And of thine infinite mercies, thou hast appointed repentance unto sinners that they may be saved. Repentance. In other words, he was saying, I don't care how bad we've been, you have appointed repentance unto us that we can be saved. And then he proceeds then to repent before God, telling God he's the worst sinner that ever was. He is. I'm the worst sinner there is. And he went on and he just poured his heart out to God. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here, this statement that he makes he said that, he says, thou hast appointed repentance unto the sinners. In other words, you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to walk on your knees. I've known people in South America, women that had to find God and they'd climb a mountain on their knees. You ever heard of, anybody ever heard of those things? They're trying to find, yeah, you have, they find, trying to find favor with God. And I've, I've heard stories and, and missionaries have come back and told us, and they would climb, they'd walk on their knees, or climbing a mountain over rocks and things to get to the top of the mountain to find God and touch him and have him to express his mercy. And what this man came to realize in that prison was that God had ordained that word of repentance 
And I want to say this to us today, folks. God will forgive if we will ask him for forgiveness. Amen. Praise the Lord. That word of repentance that God has given. And I'm just saying here today that this is a powerful thing. It means that we don't have to do some weird thing. We don't have to crawl, climb. Uh, I talked about climbing on your knees, that woman that did that down in South America. Now, there's others who have crawled. They've crawled distances trying to get God to repent. No, no, you don't have to do any of that. You have to repent. and You've got the words in your mouth, but it's got to be in the heart. It's got to be in the heart. And that's what this man came to realization about. And this goes on to say, gives his prayer. I mean, he pours his heart out to God and just says, God, I'm sorry for all. I'm expecting nothing, just wanting God to forgive him. You know what happened? The king came, unlocked the cell, said, you can go back to Jerusalem now. He went back to Jerusalem, took back the throne, got rid of all that stuff that he had over there. He ruled and reigned in a total of 52 years. He was a king. This is what it says here. Over here in the Bible, what I'm reading here in Zechronicles, uh, it says whenever he was put in fetters, and when he was afflicted, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplications. God heard him. And heard his supplications and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Now, I'm just pointing all that out to say here that isn't it a wonderful thing that God has put the answer to receive what we need from him in our mouths? All we have to do is speak the words. Now, let me move on a little further here. I, uh, I want to go. I'll move on a little faster here as well. This access to God is also to the Gentiles. And we're talking about the, the Jews. Now look at Romans 10, 6 and 8. 6 through 8. Look in Romans. Romans chapter 10. And uh, I'm reading verses 6 through 8. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thy heart who shall ascend into heaven... That is to bring Christ down from heaven, from above. This is very similar to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy says, who shall go across the ocean or who shall go this way or that way to bring somebody or bring it to me? Uh, verse 7, or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. This is the same words This in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and, uh, and, and verses, uh, what was it, 30, I guess, chapter 30. Chapter 30, yes, and verse 14. It said, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. The word of faith. So what he is saying here is that a person can be saved in the New Testament. I don't care who you are. If you can call on the Lord, if you'll reach out to God, if you'll believe in Him in your heart, and just repent before God and call on the name of the Lord. Amen. You see, some people feel like they're so wicked that God can't forgive them. Now, I've come across people like that. We've had... Some of our greatest evangelists were men who stood in the pulpit here. And at one time they had lived like the devil. And they said, there's no way I can be saved. No way I can be saved. And uh, God did save them. Filled them with the Holy Ghost. And they become fabulous preachers and saved and, and preached the gospel. A lot of people got saved under their ministry. That's the truth. You know, what brother that was hell's angels for a long time. He was a mean rascal. I remember uh, a, a, a brother that used to hang around the Pentecostal churches, St. Paul, didn't have the Holy Ghost. I was with him one night when he got the Holy Ghost. He threw up his hands, he's a big guy, threw up his hands. He was rough as a cob. I mean, mean, tough. He threw up his hands and called on God and just squalled like a baby. And next thing you know, he's talking in tongues. He told me afterwards, he said, Brother Myers, the reason I never got the Holy Ghost is I actually felt like that God would never give me the Holy Ghost. I'd been so mean. 
such a rascal. I've been so, so ornery, just a fighter and a scuffer and all that stuff. He went on to become a preacher and was one, and then later became the district superintendent of the Florida district, Brother Bill Cannell. Great Bible teacher, fabulous Bible teacher. I'm just trying to tell you, God can save anybody. He can save anyone. Praise the Lord. But we have to be able to reach out to him. And this is what the Bible is telling us here in the Romans, that he is nigh. I'm going to read that verse 8 again. This is 10.8 of Romans. Well, what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which he preached. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to go to verse, uh, I'm going to go to verse, uh, verse 9 here real quickly. If you look at verse 9 with me, it says, Confess the Lord Jesus. Look at this very closely with me here. This is a continuation of what we just read. That is the word of faith which is in that we preach. Now look at verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Look at that. Confess with thy mouth. Notice that. With the mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God that raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. The word shalt is future tense. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now what he's pointing out here, praise the Lord, and this confession is not saying, God, uh, I want to, uh, I want to just, you know, confess my sins. It's not confession like this. Confessing Jesus Christ to be God. This is what this is about. It says, if thou, but if, I'm going to read that again, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, confess him. That means I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the mighty God. You understand what I'm saying? You confess the Lord by saying, I know who he is. I believe in him. That's confessing the Lord. You tell people that, you tell God that. Lord, I know who you are. You're God. Jesus, you're God. It wasn't just a man that came. Nicodemus came to the Lord in that, what is the fourth chapter, third chapter of the book of John. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, Master, we know that thou art a, that there are a, a prophet come from God. Why, well, he's more than that. He's more than that. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again with the water and the spirit. Got to be born again of the water and the spirit. Started talking to Nicodemus about being born again. Now, I'm, I'm not getting into that, only to say that Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night because he didn't want anybody seeing him. He wanted to slip around and ask him, who are you? You know. Let me just say this. When we get saved, we say, Jesus, you're the mighty God of heaven. You're the, the Christ. Said Peter, whom the men say that I am, thou art the Christ. You know, thou art the Christ. There, there, you're the Messiah, but you're also God Almighty. Let me show you something. I want you to look at Isaiah 9 6 for a moment. Look at Isaiah 9 6. This is a scripture that most of us are very familiar with. For unto us a child is born, that's Jesus Christ. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Look at this closely. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Now look at these next two statements. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Now let me just say this. God, as a creator, is the mighty God that created everything, everything that exists. He made it. He spoke it and it happened. He's the creator. Therefore, he is worthy of all of our praise. When you get up in the morning and you look at the beautiful sky and the sun's coming up and all those wonderful things, say, Lord, thank you for your creation. He created everything. Praise the Lord. Then it says everlasting father. Well, is that, is that somebody else? 
Is that, is that two different gods? No, no, same God. But he's also the giver of all life. Everlasting Father means he's given life to everything that exists that has life. You know, if you look at a big rock, a boulder sitting there on the ground, it has no life in it. God made that. He's the creator of it. But if you see a squirrel running around over it, God gave life to that squirrel. He gave life to us. Praise the Lord. If you have no other reason to thank God, thank him that he gave you breath that you had this morning when you woke up. Praise the Lord. Because he's the giver of all life. So when we praise the Lord and we uh, confess the Lord, we confess that Jesus is God the creator, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth, and all things in it. The ocean, the ground, the mountains, the rocks. You name it. And all life on the earth he made. All life. Nothing evolved. It didn't evolve. You know, just because a tadpole will turn into a frog doesn't mean that's the way everything happens because this is a process. No, no, no. God made it all. Praise the Lord. And Jesus Christ was that God almighty. He was God, praise the Lord, that was the creator. He was God that gave life to all existence. Praise the Lord. So when we confess the Lord and we confess Jesus Christ, we say, I know who Jesus is. Jesus is the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And if it says it here for his name, and, and it's Jesus, uh, for unto us a child is born. It goes on to say at the end, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus Christ. And it's stating right here that Jesus Christ is everything. So with our mouths, folks, praise the Lord. You don't have to go looking for anything else. You just say, Jesus, you're everything. You're everything. I praise you. I love you. I glorify you. I magnify you. He's worthy of all of our praise because we confess him to be the mighty God, the everlasting father. In other words, that is to say, the IE means, in other words, glory, uh, his glory, praise glory. Praise him. That is to say, just praise him. Say, God. I know who you are. I praise you. I worship you. I glorify your wonderful name. Tell God who he is. Tell God that you know who he is. Praise him. And then tell other people who he is. Hallelujah. That Jesus Christ is God Almighty. I'd rankle some of them. Yeah, I'll give you a chance to talk to him. But go ahead. Tell him anyhow. He's God Almighty. He is. Praise the Lord. That's confessing the Lord. That's confessing the Lord Jesus. Everybody still with me? All right, I'm going to move along here. Uh, Look at number two here, the power of asking and seeking God aggressively. That's what you're talking about, the power of the mouth. Everybody still with me? The power of the mouth. Praise the Lord. Uh, look in that next verse of scripture here. And uh, that's in uh, Matthew 7, if you look with us. Matthew 7. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 7, 7. Look at this very closely with me. Everybody there? Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Notice here that the Lord is encouraging his disciples to really ask for something. It's in your mouth. The power is in your mouth. It's, it's you speaking it. But you've got to really ask it. Ask it from the heart. You've got to really seek for it, and ye, and ye shall and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse eight: For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. This is the promise of Jesus. For what man is there of whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish? Will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So he's trying to say here is that that power that's in our mouths to speak the words, ask the Lord, seek him for things that you need, for what you want. Go after it. Praise the Lord. Knock and it shall be given unto you. 
Now, I want to show you something very interesting here. At the end of that 11th verse, I want you to notice here again, the end of that 11th verse, your father which is in heaven shall give good things to them that ask him. If you would look with me, and this is not in your notes here, but if you look in Luke 11, 13, Luke 11, 13, this is just a little side note uh, for just a moment. The same thing that Matthew says, uh, Luke says the same thing. I won't read, I won't read all that, the whole thing, but I'm going to come back down. I'm coming down to the last part of that 13th verse, that passage of scripture that, uh, that Luke says. He said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? And Matthew over here says that he says, shall give good things to them that ask him. But in Luke, he says, shall give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. And I'm so glad that's here. I'm so glad that's in here. You know why? Because people who want the Holy Ghost, you can have it. You can have it. You don't have to feel like I'm not worthy. You don't have to feel like I've been too mean. You don't have to feel like, uh, well, other people could get it, but I can't. You don't have to feel like uh, it's, uh, it's not reachable for me. You don't have to, None of that kind of stuff. But it's for whosoever will. And he'll give you the Holy Spirit if you reach out to him for it. Praise the Lord. And I'm speaking not only just to this audience, but everybody else that may be watching this. If you will seek the Lord for the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, God will give it to you. Praise the Lord. He's promised it in his word. But you've got to seek it with all of your heart. You've got to ask him. You've got to seek him. You've got to knock. You've got to ask him for it. Lord, I want this above everything else. And maybe you may have to tell God there's some things that you'll give up. Some things you're not going to do anymore. You know? I'm not going to, whatever, I don't know. Whatever it is, some things you may have to give up or lay down or put aside. We call them things of holiness. You may have to do some of those things. But God has promised to give this Holy Spirit. Can you say praise the Lord? I'm going to go to number three very quickly here. Number three. The power of asking in his name. Asking in his name. Look at John 14. John 14. Praise God. All right. I'm looking at 14, 13. 13 and 14. The power of asking in his name. Okay. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. It says it right there. Whatever you ask in my name. That will I do. Notice the power of our speech if we employ the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful. Praise the Lord. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Praise the Lord. Verse 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, those are powerful words. Now, he's talking, to the, he's talking to his disciples here. He's not talking to the multitude. You understand that? He's talking to these disciples that's chosen to walk with God, serve God, live for God, follow him, and so forth. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So the power here is in the name of the Lord. And he wants us to know that if we will ask him, praise the Lord, then his name, the Lord, has promised that he will answer our prayers. Praise God. I'm going to move a little further here. I'm going to get on down and see here. How to be happy. The answer is give thanks to God. I'm going to talk to you about thanksgiving. Now, we're talking about the power of the mouth. Folks, if we learn to be thankful and to say, Lord, we are thankful, and to name things you are thankful for, God will bless you for it, and you will find a happiness and peace in those things that you will not find in anything else. Praise the Lord. There's something about being thankful. Uh, I want you to look with me, if you would, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Praise God. 
It says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ concerning you. In everything, give thanks. I'll read a couple more scriptures here to you, but let me just say this. Man, if you sit down and start thinking the things that you can be thankful for, there's so many things. Thank God that God ever saved you. Thank God for your health, if you're in good health. Thank God for your wife, if you're a husband. Thank God for your husband, if you're a man, a woman. Thank God for your children. Thank God for your grandchildren. Name them, name them. Name them all off. Call your wife's name in prayer. Call your husband, if you're a woman. Thank God for them. Thank God for your home. Thank God for the car you drive. Thank God that you paid your bills last month. Got them all paid. Praise the Lord. Thank God for your job. Thank God for living in America. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about some serious things. I was going to tell you that at the end of my lesson. But, boy, there are some things, folks, happening in the world. Just lining up with prophecy in the Bible. And next week, I'm going to talk to you about it. There's some things happening over in the middle, in the, in the far way, in the far east, over there with China and everything. It it does not look good at all. And over here in America, there's all kinds of yakety yak stuff going on, like a like a bunch of alley cats fighting Democrats, Republicans, blah 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 blah. And there's crazy upside down things happening all over the world. I don't mean the virus either. I'm talking about some serious things. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it next week. I'm going to show you some things in the Bible. There's a lot of this stuff's already in prophecy. But I'm going to talk to you about it. But what I am saying here today is that we need to be thankful for the good old US, USA anyhow. And for this nation and God's blessings he has had on this thing. Folks, it's not how smart American Americans are. It's, how, it's God's blessings on America. Americans are no smarter than nobody else. We're not smarter than other people. God has just blessed America. And we need to thank him for that. He said, God, thank you. I pass down the street and I see a flag flying there. God bless those people that fly the flag. He said, God, thank you for America. I always pray that. I thank God for that. I don't know how long we've got, but I want you to know I'll keep thanking the Lord for America and the blessings that he's given us and everything else. And if you can't think for anything else, thank God you live in Florida. <laughs> Say, thank, thank you, Lord. We can live, live, can live here in good old Palm Bay. Praise the Lord. God bless you. But I'm just pointing out to you here, be thankful. Thank God for so many things that's in our lives. Amen. And family and things that we have and God's blessings upon us. Thank you for the church. Thank you for we, a beautiful building we have. And now they're fixing to do the parking lot. And they're going to work on this. It's going to be a little topsy-turvy a little bit. But it'll be nice when they're all through, you know. God's given us a good church. And the family of God. That's the church, really. Not the building. But the God's people in this congregation. You're the, some of the best people in, on the face of the earth. As far as I'm concerned, you are. I'm, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. I can do that. God bless you. You're such, such a, so many things we can say, God, I thank you. And so instead of saying, well, I don't know what I can thank God. No, 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 no. Say, God, I'm going to thank you. Praise the Lord. Be thankful. Now, I read to you here, 1 Thessalonians, and I'll go to Colossians 3, 3, 5 is the next scripture here. Colossians uh, three seventeen, rather, I think it is. 317. If you look at this scripture with us very quickly, I'm going to read this and get right on down uh, here to the end of our lesson here real quick. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we just we just mentioned that giving thanks to God and the father by him. Now, that word and the father doesn't mean God is one God and the father is another God. It means they're the same. You'll find out sometime when it talks about Jesus Christ and the Father, this same person, same one. One God, praise the Lord. Hero is the Lord, our God is one Lord. I won't get into Godhead, but that's a beautiful understanding about the Lord. 
So I'm going to moving on here a little, a little bit further here. Look at Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5.20. Ephesians 5.20. We're moving very quickly here now. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Giving thanks. Notice here he's talking about giving thanks. He just names off a bunch of things here about giving thanks to the Lord. Uh, Psalms is filled with, I'm just going to read one little passage here in Psalms 92. You don't have that in your notes. Psalms 92, 1 and 2. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Now, this little statement here in Psalms 92, 1 and 2 can be found all through the book of Psalms where the Lord says to be thank- give thanks or be thankful unto the Lord and, or have thanksgiving in your heart toward God, whatever. But it's mentioned over and over numerous times. I'm just pointing out the Bible is filled with being thankful. Folks, if you don't get anything else out of this lesson here today, praise the Lord, just say, God... I want to always give thanks to you. Just be thankful, praise the Lord. If you say, well, it's not a beautiful sunny day today, it's raining. Just say, God, thank you for the rain. Because some places they wish they did have rain. That's right. Praise the Lord. And so I'm just trying to say here, whatever it is, thank God I'm just thankful for all of your blessings and your goodness and all that you did. Now, note here, note this. Number one, coming down here to the end. Unthankfulness will be a characteristic of the last days. Unthankfulness. The people being unthankful said, I'm not thankful for nothing. I'm not thankful about anything. This is recorded, of course, over in Second Timothy 3, 1 and 2. Look at this very closely here. Second Timothy 3, 1 and 2. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boy, that's so true. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Isn't that amazing? A characteristic of the last days. Unthankful, unholy, unthankful. That's a characteristic of the last days. Is that they shall be unthankful. And then finally I'm going to wrap this up here with number two. Right here at the bottom. What is in our heart? What is in our hearts? Because what's in our heart is how we are going to speak. You cannot speak forth what you don't have down here. And the Bible tells us that. Look at Matthew 12.34. Matthew 12.34. Praise God. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes, O generation of vipers and snakes, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, even though the Lord has given us the mouth by which we might praise him, glorify him, repent of our sins, be thankful express whatever we need to express to be in touch with God and to be blessed of God, even though our mouths can do it, we'll not speak except what's in our heart. What's in the heart is what's going to come out. What's in the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So when men blaspheme God, when men curse God, when men defy God, all that kind of stuff is what's in their heart. And because that's in their heart, they cannot say the things that they need to say in order to have God's favor and God's blessings upon them. But you and I, who know the Lord and love God, and we love him in our hearts, and we walk with God, and we believe in him, and we trust in him, amen, we can reach out to him, and with our mouth we can speak, we can praise him. Don't come to church and do this. I'm not talking to you people. You, 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 you're faithful. You wouldn't be here if you weren't faithful. 
But I mean, Southern Baptist, they would come on the weekend. Don't come. I don't see too many people doing that, but don't ever do that. Come here in the house of God. And when they say, let's praise the Lord, lift your hands and let's say worship and praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just worship God. Say, Jesus, I'm so thankful. You may be tired. You may be weary. You may be sore in body. You may be hurting. You may be in financial problems. All kind of things can be going on. But just say, Lord, while I'm in your house, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to thank you and tell you that I love you with all of my heart. I'm going to, I'm going to confess the Lord. <laughs> I want to say, I know who you are. And I thank you, Jesus, for you're my friend. He's our friend. Praise the Lord. What's in our heart? The mouth will speak forth the heart. Look in Luke 6. And this is our last verse. I'm closing with this. Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45. And it says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. The abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So keep your heart pure, keep it clean, keep it holy. And if it ever gets out of whack a little bit, say, God, forgive me, help me to get things right, Lord. And use the same mouth for repentance and say, God, forgive me for what I said to that sister the other day or that brother. Forgive me, God, for whatever I may have done. Just, you know, reach out to God and God will forgive because he knows that we speak with our heart and with our mouth. So next week, I'm going to talk to you here on uh, the troubles in the Far East and uh, what the Bible has to say about it. And I've got some interesting things to talk to you about. I've been sort of putting it back for a while, but I'm going to get into it next week. God love you. You're a great congregation. Let's stand together, give God the praise and the glory and thank him right now. Would you do that with me? Let's just thank him, every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, Jesus. What a great God you are. What a great friend you are. You're a friend to us, God. And you've given us, Lord, access to you. This is your access to us. From us to you, God, that you've given us. Lord, help us to speak the words, God. That we might reach out to you, to praise you, to thank you, to love you. To glorify your name to exalt the name of our God, to exalt you above the heavens. Bless this congregation, Lord, here tonight. Let your presence be upon the people, Lord. Bless us in our homes. Bless us on our jobs. Bless us in our families. Bless our children. God, bless our grandchildren. Be with all of those, God, that are trying to walk with you in this world that we live in, God. In Jesus' name and bless America. We glorify and praise you in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in his name. Amen.